Welcome to the Alternative Property Management Podcast, brought to you by Renty and the PMC. Hosted by David Faulkner, Harrison Vaughn, and Will Alexander, and powered by Renty, who just want to make renting enjoyable. Hi, Harry, my kia ora, and welcome to the Alternative Property Management Show. I am your host, David Faulkner of Property Brokers, coming to you from the most exciting town in New Zealand, Palmerston North. Let's screw the frigging Spanish football team. They got their asses kicked by Japan. How dare they slander Palmerston North? It is not boring. Mm-hmm. It is extremely exciting. And joining me is Will Alexander, who's over in Bailey's. He's actually invested in a tie, so he's obviously been told off. And apparently they drink Lion Red in the Bailey's office. And also joining me is Harrison Vaughan from Tommy's Property Management down in Wellington. And let's be honest, they drink everything. How are we doing, guys? <laughs> Will, you're looking yeah, pretty I'm... sharp there, mate. You've made a bit of an effort this evening. Um Yes, well, you get you gave me a pep talk last week, so I've um, I've, I've raised my game. But um, yeah, so um, shock horror, they do drink lime red at Bailey's. I um, I mean, I, you look I so corporate. You look yeah. so corporate. I thought they would have been more class. I mean, and you drink well, arguably red. that is classy. Uh, I mean, if you talk to Mike Bailey, who's a huge fan of lime red, um, it's uh, it's a simple conversation. But just coming back to the. Uh, the Spanish commentary on Palmy. I actually did send that to Guy on the weekend, and <laughs> and he came back quite quickly and said, "Population control. We don't want too many assholes in Palmy." So there you go. Um, probably. Well, uh, well I, t- I, I mean, can tell you, it's been it's been interesting in work because you know I, I kind of gently raised the matter on Monday. Uh, thinking it was mildly amusing. And it's amazing how many people were actually quite offended by this and, and very, very protective of Palmerston North. And listen, I mean, look, I've spent most of my time in New Zealand in Palmerston North. We've brought up two of our kids in Palmerston North and, and thoroughly enjoyed the place. I mean, look, Wellington, we've had eight years in Wellington. Wellington versus Palmerston North. I think Wellington may just nick it. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly caused a bit of debate um, and a lot of people not happy. A lot of people just, not happy in Palmy. I wonder if they no. did go to the Lido. You wonder if they went to the Lido? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, the word is is that they're looking for you know because the Spanish kind of eat late at night, don't they? They all go out and eat about ten o'clock at night. <laughs> Everything shut at seven <laughs> in Palmy. Oh, the bugger. In Palmy, the, the I mean, the only thing you've got to get at Palmerston North in, in 10 o'clock at night is chlamydia. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> hey, first controversial topic of the night. Well done. <laughs> didn't, didn't take long. I like it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there you go. So that's Palmerston North, and it's been in the news. And anyway, they got their asses kicked 4-0, the Spanish team, and rightfully so. And uh, how dare they talk about Palmy like that? And uh, anyway... Uh, we've got some interesting topics um, tonight. We've got uh, what we're looking at really is, I mean, people may have noticed, I, I don't know, people probably didn't, but I was in uh, the newspaper this week after being they interviewed around. Dave. You, did you notice? Yes or no? No. I, I noticed did, when you just, told me about it, when you did it. Not until you sent it to me. Yeah, no, a bit of self-promotion. No. I get it. Nothing, I get it. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with a bit of self-promotion. Anyway. Five things that tenants are worried about right now. And this is leading into the election. So what we thought we would do, 
we'd have two topics. The first one this week is is with tenants and their concerns around the uh, pending election. What happens if if National get in? What happens if Labour get in? And the way how the polls are looking, it is looking more. I mean, really, National could potentially sleepwalk uh, to an election victory, but you never know. You never know. Um, and and you know, so we'll we'll touch on some of these topics. The first topic of which. Well, I'll go for the topics first. The first one's rental affordability, um, security of tenure. We've got the healthy homes, uh, ensuring compliance. And then the final one being a bit of a riddle, really, non-tenant tenants. So first of all, we'll uh, look into rents and what is happening with rent and rental affordability. Um, all right, guys, we'll go. Addison, we'll go to you first because yep. Wellington um, is traditionally got high rents and you would have seen rents quite yeah, uh, going quite expensive. strongly yeah yep i mean what's your thoughts are these valid concerns that tenants are going to have that just the rental affordability at the moment what, what how are you finding things in in the capital yeah it's quite interesting dave i think you've sort of got two mixes of um landlords out there right you've got the ones that have been in the game a long time who you know have owned houses for 20 30 years and may not um, be as leveraged as some of these newer owners may not be impacted right by as the the cost of um, living and running a rental portfolio and then you've got all these newer landlords that are coming into it that have bought you know when the interest rates were really low uh, and they're now feeling the pinch and the pain of it now what we're seeing is, is there's almost two distinct markets a lot of the newer properties that are on right now are relatively high but then if you if you look at some of the existing rentals and the ones that are out there that are currently managed there, there can be a bit of a difference sometimes between um like what we've noticed is there is a larger amount of landlords now trying to keep the rents down so that they can keep their tenants long term uh, and reduce vacancy but I can definitely see if you're a new tenant entering the market, you know, it's your first rental, um, prices are quite high. So let me, okay, let's take another angle on this because you, you are, I agree, and it's funny because um, we're organising some training for our property managers with a former tenancy tribunal adjudicator and we've been going through some very big market rent cases and we were talking about market rent and uh, my latest blog for, for property brokers, I've written about market rent and what landlords should be doing in terms of rent increases. Will, I'll ask you this question and you can tell us what you've found since you've been at Bailey's. Should there be limits? And I mean, this is can be this is kind of erring in the rent control area. Should there be limits on what a landlord can increase rents by? It's an interesting question and I've done quite a bit of research in preparation for tonight's approach price. Um, you always do your research, mate. You always do your research. You never wing it. Look at that. Yeah, he's got people you professional. He's he's very professional. This is why he's this is he's the only one wearing a tie. He's the only one wearing a tie. Well, look. Despite its good intentions, it often doesn't work for numerous reasons, and I've got eight reasons if you bear with me. So it's a disincentive for property investors. Um, when the rental income is capped, landlords might not see the benefit from renovating or maintaining their properties to a higher standard that affects tenants. Decreased housing supply. So the promise of le uh, less potential profit may de defer would-be landlords from putting their properties on the market. They might instead sell the properties or convert them into different types. And what we're already seeing is kind of scary is the alarming shift to Airbnb. 
and taking them out and getting, I mean, getting away from the regulations, getting better returns. Third, inefficient allocation of housing. So I think this is quite an interesting point. Since rent is artificially reduced, people who don't need larger apartments or properties may still be incentivized to rent them because of the discounted cost, thereby reducing the availability of larger apartments or properties for families that need it. And again, New Zealand needs properties for families at the moment. So that can absolutely, that can bottleneck a problem that already exists. The black market and misuse, rental capping sometimes leads yeah. to the development of the black market where landlords do rental bidding. And we all know people that can pay more aren't necessarily the best tenants. Less mobility, this is quite interesting. Often capped rental uh, comes with long waiting lists or because property, people don't uh, move. Tenants are in properties for longer periods because they're cheaper than equivalent priced rental properties. The result is less mobility. We already have a supply and demand issue. So that's another issue. Decreased tax revenue. You know, our government is currently borrowing more than New Zealand generates and earns. So yep. why why yep. would you dis? I mean, lower rents means lower tax. I don't think we should touch that at the moment. The seventh one, reduced incentive for construction. Construction developers may be less interested yep. in building build-to-rent properties. I mean, we're doing some really good work in that space now. The hype around build-to-rent could be quickly disestablished. And it, but fundamentally, it does not address the underlying issues. Rental capping does not solve the fundamental problems of housing affordability, which often include a lack of supply, high construction costs, and the issues related to income inequality. There's a couple of things I want to, the, your early points that are raised here, that you raised here. Okay. Now, first of all, um, what Renters United say is that if I do improve my property significantly, then I can go and increase it above, say, what CPI is. All right. Yeah. Now, my argument, and I'm not saying I agree with rent controls or not, I am at heart a capitalist, but is it fair that landlords should be able to increase rent by, say, 25% just because? They haven't been planning sufficiently enough to accept the fact that they've got to go from a two and a half percent interest rate to say a seven percent interest rate. It depends on the circumstances, doesn't it? I mean, if they've had a long-term tenant in there for quite some time and they have purposely not done it, um, I, I don't know. But I mean, CPI at the moment or inflation is at six percent. Um, yep. So, you know, um, parity with that, I think, I mean, at Bailey's over the last year, our average rent has increased by 5%. So it's actually less than inflation. But, yeah, I, I mean, that is a good point. You know, if you haven't um, regularly done it, maybe that's an argument for um, a more Because commercial leases are typically written. Yes, yeah. You know, yep. with, with a... With a Renting, yeah. rent review along with CPI. Why can't we do the yeah. same for residential? I'm not saying that you make it compulsory, but, I, I, you know, because I don't, there is that aspect of too much regulation, which leads to issues, Will, which I completely agree with. You do get black markets. You do get tenants don't move. Yeah. You do get issues with supply. But is there an argument for saying, look, you know, you should only be allowed to increase rents through 
CPI. And what it does, it makes landlords become more disciplined in actually doing annual increases at CPI rather than doing, oh, I've got a great tenant. You know, I can afford this. Five years later, all of a sudden going, oh, shit, I've got to increase this by 30% to even try and recover the costs. Addison, what mm. do you think? In terms of rental affordability? Well, just in terms of is it fair, the question I ask, well, you know, should there be limits on what a landlord can increase rent by? Or it's, a, is it free, it's a dangerous is it question, market? I reckon, because, yeah, it's got to be a free market. I think the main issue you've got here in New Zealand is there just simply isn't enough government-provided housing. And as yeah. a result, you've got a massive portion of tenants that would would have usually been catered to that market are being forced yeah. into the more expensive privately um, run rental properties. And if we did suddenly have, you know, a massive influx of government owned rentals, I think the problem would be solved because as a tenant, you'd have an option. You could rent a government standard rental at market rate, or if you want to get something fancy, you know, that's beautiful luxury, pay thousands per week, then there are those options there as well. Yeah. I mean, what you're raising here, Addison, is, is I think, totally agree that it's basically a lack of state providing property yeah. Yeah. for that lower well, shortage. Yeah, that's not, that, that's consecutive governments. You can't just say this is Labour's fault or this is this is this has been an ongoing problem. Yeah. Um, now, it's, I just want to raise a point. There's multiple layers to it, but like I said before, like you just said, I mean, the fundamental problems are lack of supply, high construction costs. And issues with income, and right. but but this government is is so disincentivized businesses that you know that the, are they growing well enough to 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 match inflation and to match increases? The, those are the layers that, in my opinion, need to be tackled. Rental capping is like the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's there's seven countries. I've done some research today. Seven com- countries have got tried it rental capping. United States, Canada, United Kingdom, France, Germany, Sweden, India, and some yeah. of them were done in World War Two. Wow. You know? and, so and what? So none of them do it anymore. I, I think. No, I think. No, I think the, the, really. the general opinion across, you know, people who, who are in the north through this is that rent controls they they do not work. No. Uh, and and there's a famous is that famous? I don't even know his name, but it was a Swedish economist who said. You know, the, the next best way of destroying a city other than bombing it is by issuing rent controls and basically let the market decide. But I want to raise something that you raised on people conversing to Airbnb. Well, I want to get your opinion yes. on this because this yeah. is from me being in the UK, been doing a lot of reading and, and we're seeing councils, councils, local councils, particularly left wing. But this is a right wing government in, in the UK at the moment and they're, they're for this. Doubling your rates of the second home so if i've got a holiday home in say queenstown i don't pay what the standard rates are i have to pay double because they want to tackle um you know affordability and try and release houses available to and, and you know because that shortage i mean get both your opinions on that what do you reckon to that well how do they administer or police that I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, they've probably got. I mean, Wales has um, Wales has that register, that Rent Smart Wales, and, and Wales has been doing it for a wee while. So if you've got a holiday home in Wales, you're paying double rates. So you probably need to have a landlord register to do. Yeah, you this. would holiday home yeah. register. Yeah, 
you'd need to really button down on all that data and who owns what and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, I think this there definitely is a call for some sort of landlord register. I think there should be some sort of place where you do have to just say, hey, look, I, re I rent a house out. Because, I mean, the stats are so important and we're so blind here in New Zealand because we don't know, you know, so much of that data is not known. Well, I'll tell you something. Years and years ago when I was at BNT, we ended up doing a show on TV33, which is a Chinese TV station. Yeah. And the whole point of it was... There was something like 60,000 properties in Auckland alone that were vacant, that were purchased yep. by Chinese that really did not want, know what they're doing, um, land banking, whatever. And we're like, how do we get in front of these people and how do we convince them that we should be renting the property? So there is actually an issue there. I mean, that to me is nuts. If there is something like 60,000 properties That's in Auckland crazy. alone that are vacant crazy. because – that, that that does need to be fixed. I completely agree with, with that. That is crazy. That is crazy. So you're so you're agreeing with Tapati Maori because they've actually suggested that there should be a vacancy tax on empty properties. Well, I I think so. I mean, um, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, in this particular example, uh, I'm sure it's a little bit more complex than what I'm describing, but. If, if uh, you know, back in the days before the Overseas Investment Office cracked down and whatnot, and, um, you know, we all saw the amount of per, um, investment into New Zealand from overseas purchases, um, you know, we, we we should be looking at that potentially. I mean, you could solve a lot of problems if you just opened to the market that amount of property. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good topic. We'll have to get on to the next one because we've got five to get through. Healthy homes. Harrison, I'll come to you first on this. Yes, one. good old healthy um, homes, eh? Yeah. So despite healthy home standards, there are still cold, damp and mouldy rental properties around that cause anxiety for tenants. But it was compounded by uncertainty around compliance with what standards entailed. And I've made comments around this saying, you know, too many of these healthy homes regulations are open to interpretation. And, yep. and I've seen cases where we've had the same property have Basically, the concern here with tenants is the quality of the properties. I mean, is healthy homes working, Harrison? What do you think? Um, oh. This is a really difficult question. I mean, it has worked in the sense that it has finally got certain landlords to pull finger and actually invest in their properties. We've got landlords for the first time in decades putting heating in, topping up insulation. And, and I guess that element of it is fantastic. It is making a lot of homes better. But like you say, the guidelines around it are very unclear. You don't really need a certificate or anything to be an assessor. It's like, you know, something you can get out of a cereal box so, like you say, you can get two different companies to come in and assess a property, especially one that might have complex exemptions around heating, around ventilation, and you might get two different pass and fail certificates. So, I can see like the, the purpose behind it, definitely good, and some of the, the end results, but the execution has definitely been poor, and that, that's what they need to rethink. There needs to be like government assessors or a proper training program to be a qualified assessor. Um, and, and the assessors need to be tested against some sort of, I don't know, average or some sort of bare minimum as to this is what a compliant property is. Well, can I turn to you here and ask you this question then? I mean, so with, with are the standards not fit for purpose? 
or is it the policing of the people or the lack of qualifications required to actually do the assessments or is it a bit of a combination of both what's your thoughts really simple answer from me um yep there's a problem still and yes there'll still be a problem once everything is done because quite simply where is the education where is uh, education on what healthy living is um, why you open your windows why you let your house breathe you can have a fully insulated double glazed heat pump you name it tick every single box and then some but still live in a damp mouldy property because you don't understand how to live in a healthy home there is no education correct me if i'm wrong but where is it well i, I will not correct you if you're wrong because you are not wrong and that's something i made in this article and when it comes on to the next topic which is ensuring compliance now one of the things i said is that one of the we, what we need to see is greater education from tenants so that they can enforce the compliance of it and they don't have to worry about being blacklisted because they the legislation yeah. and allow them to be blacklisted and and some of the other things they've said is that the tenancy compliance investigate investigation team are spending too much time on companies such as ours instead of going after the people 50 percent of the market which self-manage they probably haven't got the resources to do that what do we do in that sense will how do we ensure that we've got compliance of rental properties do we say to the tenancy compliance investigation team just scrap them get rid of them act probably would if they got into power or do we give them more power more resources so they can chase those smaller landlords what do you reckon we should do I, I I've always said this. I think this is a, a ten-year project, and it's it's it takes time to evolve and roll out. And um, at the end of the day, I think it should be. It probably will be self-regulating by the tenants eventually. I I think the issue is uh, we're trying to get it all done in too short a time frame. And if we think about healthy homes being done by two thousand and thirty, um, then it will eventually people will be skilled up will probably have regulation in place by uh, by then so if a property manager is negligent then they lose their license so um i, I just think we it needs more time to bed in and for tenants to get confident to have a licensing regime to back that up and then it will come right slowly but it's a mm. big project 60 rental properties 600,000 heat pumps, if not more. You know, I mean, do, do the math. It, it's not it's going to happen in four, four, four years. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's, again, a, you've raised a good point here, because I think a, a lot of these tenants will, will, they'll think that, well, I've got a right to this straight away. Yeah. And it's just a numbers game. You, you haven't got that yeah. many people who can do the work, and it does take time. Addison, what are your thoughts on this? Is this more about tenants' education so they know how to enforce the rights? Or should tenancy compliance, should they be gone? Or should they have more power? What do you reckon? I think tenancy compliance does need more power, but they, they definitely need to stop focusing on property management firms because, you know, we've got too much to lose. We've got a reputation and a brand behind us. We're not going to risk not doing things properly um i think this really calls like i said earlier for a landlord register because if there's a landlord register and there's some sort of i guess 
minimum criteria to be a landlord, um, then that should hopefully improve, you know, the quality of living that these tenants are receiving. Whether there's a basic course, like, it's like when you do your driver's license, you do your learners yep. and you're restricted. You know, surely there can be some basic educational pl- uh, program um, that private landlords can do if they want to manage, want to have their own rental property. Otherwise, they have to use a professional service. I tell you what, guys, and, and I'm noticing this, and I'm, I, I I love it. Is, is the fact that we're now becoming a little bit as an industry, um, and, and particularly in our companies, uh, I think it helps the fact that we're a real estate company and, and it comes under the RA. Okay, property management may not come under the RA, but the practices that get into winding your company through being mm. involved with the REA is that you're not going to tolerate managing landlords who just refuse to comply or will just try and brush things off yeah you, you just you write to them and you say guys you, you know you've got this time frame to get this work done or else you're out of it we're, we're not going to manage it and and you see your staff actually lift with that because they don't feel like the whipping getting whipped by these landlords all the time anyway good just, just 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 on that in a point to sort of um really put emphasis on the problem. Like I was doing a little bit of research today and, um, you know, the bonds have increased over the last year by 5,000, uh, 5%, so 404,000 lodged now, wow. 386 this time That's last year. Which is, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So so this it, it's, it's good. It's a good trend. We're not surprised with what's going on in the sales market. But that in itself is a massive problem. There is over 600,000 properties, rental properties in New Zealand, but only 404,000 bonds are lodged. Two-thirds of the bonds are lodged. So what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're dead right. Will, I've thought about that a lot when I've said it's apparently the 600,000 rental properties, but where's all the bonds? Because when the last <laughs> time I looked, it was in the th- high 300s. So um, if you wanted yeah. to tackle this problem, I mean, you've got to know what the problem is to start off with. And yeah. um you know, have this information and then you can start policing yeah. it and fixing it. Gosh. So basically a landlord register is a big answer to a lot of these problems because yeah. it's easy Some to target list. these people. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're just standing in the dark without a list of landlords, you know? Well, it's just yeah, well they're going for the easy targets, aren't they? They're going for us because we're big. And, yeah. and and you know, we've got over seven thousand. I'll guarantee you we're gonna have the odd bone which we shouldn't be managing. But well, that's just the scale of the size of the business. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, it, it's a numbers game. Anyway, next topic, security of tenure. So tenants are naturally concerned with a national government. There's that we're going to go back to the 90-day no-cause termination. And, um, you know, so, I mean, there are obviously valid concerns. We have discussed this in topics in the past. And, I mean, have we changed our views on this? We're of the opinion that that should remain. Will, any any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I, looking at the data, I mean, what's your average tenancy now in property brokers? Three years. Three years. And, just and, a, bit, and, a little bit over. And you, Harry? Um, yeah, it would be about yeah, two and a half, three years for us. So, I mean, it's getting longer. 
Um, what is the problem? I mean, I, I, well, first of all, security of tenure, I don't think it exists anymore with the 90-day no clause. If they did take that away, there are mechanisms in behind it that disincentivize owners from doing stuff, moving in whatever or selling with like the bright line test of 10 years. I think as any investor now buying a rental property, they're definitely not, well, they, unless something changes, why would you sell it within 10 years? Because you're just going to get taxed. So yeah. I, I think um, I don't I don't actually think there's a problem there if it's a genuine rental property, and, and I reckon if they did take out that 90 day no clause termination, that would fix the whole Airbnb thing, especially in places like Queenstown. So I don't know if there is a problem. I think there's enough going on now to protect tenants and give them security either way, which whether it continues or it's removed by national. Harrison, what's your views on this, mate? I mean, 90-day no-cause termination, oh, I'm in two has minds it, about it. it. I, to be honest, has it, has it hasn't caused... really affected our job. Yeah. I mean, I haven't yeah. I haven't even really noticed it. So no. I don't really yeah. mind. I mean, I guess if anything, I mean, there is part of the article where it says that work and income and stuff would apparently like it back, and they've been asking for Act and National to reinstate it to allow for you know, those tenants that may have a checkered past. But other other than that, I mean, yeah, it hasn't made a difference. Tenants are staying longer. A lot of things are rolling onto periodic at the end of their fixed term. And it's there's enough mechanisms that if the owner wants to sell, renovate, or take back the property to live in, they can do so. So so what you're saying is is it's not impacted you one way or the other. And it almost going on to what Will's saying, if you want to get rid of them, then bright line and tax aspects are going to impact you. If you're actually getting rid of a tenant for no valid reason, there actually there is a reason. And because you won't get rid of a tenant if they were a good tenant. There's a reason yeah. for getting rid of them. Uh, and this makes life easier. Um, do, you, do you remember that question I asked you a couple of podcasts ago? Um, and a question to pose to your property managers, how many of you gave a 90-day notice um, to someone because you didn't like them? You know? Well, And, it, and it's, well, it's few and far between. Well, um, my counter to that is that a lot of tenancies that would have been used were placed on fixed term, and if there was any um, problems with that tenant, the fixed term simply wouldn't be removed, so they wouldn't actually be given 90 days notice. They were just being mm. told, we're not going to renew your tenancy. Yes, and that's yep. kind of yes. got rid of of the fixed term, except in places like your student markets. Now, interestingly, you know, I'm helping my son find a um, who's over playing cricket in England, but he's coming back to Canterbury to go to university, and he's got to go flat in, and we're help, trying to help him find a flat. Uh, and it, it's they're still using those fixed term tenancies there. Um, and well, but, I mean, there's there's a, a colleague of mine asked me uh, a couple of days ago. He said. We're finding a property for my son in Canterbury, exactly what you just said. We found a property. The rent start the property, the tenancy starts in January next year or February, but they want us to pay the rent in two weeks in advance now. Yeah. And he's like, Is that legit? And I was like, Oh, I don't know. So I got on well, the phone and asked a few questions and it, there is yeah. nothing wrong with that. But Yeah. So so our guys are gonna have to pay rent from December. 
but they're not going to need to move in until the end of January. Well, that's yeah. what you've got to do to secure secure the, the lease. The yeah. That's what you've got to do to secure the lease. Now, if you're smart, once it goes over that 12 months lease, you don't have to renew it. You can just let it revert to that yeah. periodically if you want to go. You know, so, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm actually quite happy with what the changes which were made. I'm a, a little bit of a softy towards the tenants in that uh, content, <laughs> and uh, I think they, they need a bit of protection. Anyway, the final topic, because we're smashing through these, non-tenant tenants. New Zealand has a significant number of people who rent but who are not classified as tenants. Yes. They include private borders, renters living with a homeowner or landlord. These people are not covered or protected by the Residential Tenancies Act and may did not realise at the time of signing uh, an agreement that they're not covered and not protected. Should there be legislation to protect these type of people who are living in a home? Alison, go to you first. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I actually have got one of these people in my house. I have a non-tenant tenant um, living with me that pays... And it's yes, and technically, yeah, my, like a friend that lives with me. And it's, I, I don't know. I mean, would you really want a huge formal framework? In the sense, you're usually with someone that you have quite a good relationship with. And if it, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, in, they're in your home. It's it's becoming, like they say, it is quite a civil matter. It's like I having an argument with a friend. I bet you're ripping them off. I bet you're No, he's getting a good deal. I mean, could you not just sign a, a contract, like, some sort of agreement with them well you probably you and, and if and, and if and if you were and just take them to small claims or something if it, it's, a, it's wrong. a flat make agreement isn't it it's it is well do we need the rta to cover people like that or should they just be left out of it i mean i think we're overcomplicating it here aren't we by doing yeah. that yeah yeah because then you're going to start you're going to start messing with the homeowner's house like they're living in it so then you can't really dictate how they maintain the property if well, someone's choosing to live there with them. My brother-in-law at the moment has got uh, international boarders living with them to help them pay their mortgage. They yes. just rolled off two and a half to six and a half or whatever. Um, and they're doing that to survive. Um, leave them alone. Yeah. That's my, my yeah. Kid. Yeah. I mean, honestly, leave them alone. People are struggling, whatever the reasons, just, yeah. Yeah, okay. maybe chase the 200,000 bonds that are missing. Start with that. Yeah, they got bigger fish to fry first. Oh, bloody yeah. hell. All right. Well, let's, let's tell you what, guys. It's been a bloody great conversation tonight. And uh, yeah. yeah. And anyway, you know, what we'll do, I'll just tell you about the PMC because we've got that coming up again, you know, and, and we're really excited about that. The um, early bird ticket sales have now closed, but we have sold one third of the available tickets already on that so we're way ahead of where we projected to be we'll have 300 plus people at this conference at the Takino event center on the 23rd and the 24th of november we're really excited about what we've got coming up we've got you know hayley stevenson from house smart is going to be talking about her journey um in property awesome. management and how somebody who's so experienced we won't go into uh, how long she's been in there but how she keeps herself um you know, refreshed and renewed and because and, and, it's so easy to get a little bit stale. But Haley's done a remarkable job with Housemark down there in Queenstown and innovating and always just seems to be hungry and fresh. And I can't wait to listen to her talk um, at the PMC 
And uh, Will, you've actually agreed to facilitate a, a, a panel or two for us. We're very excited about that, mate. I'm here. I, I am, and I am excited too. Thank you for the call up. Um, I won't let you down. So, yeah, no, it's really cool. Well, you, <laughs> um, well, you did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't let us down last year, mate. You, you absolutely nailed it out of the park. And mm. uh, we're just hopeful that Harrison doesn't um, let us down by behaving uh, so disgracefully on dance floor again. You mean, that, well, I just like. I just like to think. No, I've been practicing Dave and taking dance classes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I seem to remember you part of that, David. Um, I don't think it was just Harry. Um, yeah, maybe, my, maybe yeah, I'm not remembering properly. No, no, but my, but I was in control. <laughs> Harry was not in control. I mean, you know, but your dancing was not in control. That yeah, was lost. <laughs> well, I'm over fifties. I was surprised you could move that. Uh, actually, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, spray, my, spray myself with WD-40 to, to get myself moving. Uh, anyway, it's been a great conversation, guys. And uh, thanks again. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, make sure that you go onto the PMC website, look at the your tickets and uh, look at the agenda or the, the what we've got for the conference laid out. We're going to be announcing the awards criteria by the end of August. And, and then you'll have September to put your awards together and then we'll go off to our selection panel and then the selection panel will go through and then we'll be announcing the awards on the night with the dinner. Uh, thanks for listening. Will, Alexander, never seen you looking so sharp. Well done, mate. Go and rip into a couple of lime reds up in the Bailey's <laughs> office up in Auckland. Addison, fortunately, again, your camera's off. I can't see you. Don't have to see you. Hearing is enough for me. And uh, have a good evening. Thanks, guys, for joining us. And Have a good night, team. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. And we'll see you again at the Alternative Property Management Show next week. Natiwa. Yes. Thank you for tuning in to the Alternative Property Management Podcast, powered by Renty and the PMC.